Yo, 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 We are not. We are laughing. We are so excited because we have director of Aristotle and Dante Discover Secrets of the Universe. H. Alberto is next to me right now. <laughs> How do I contain this excitement? Somebody strap me in this chair with a belt, please. I love you. Thank you so much for having me. I love you, too. We might cry, though. Yeah, we might cry. There I'm might be tears of... Taurus, I mean, double cancer. I'm super emotional. Oh, so. I'm a Leo. Oh, okay, my mom's a Leo. I'm, I love my emotions because they come pouring out of my pores. I wear my emotions on my sleeve and today I'm not wearing sleeves. So you're going to be able to see every single emotion. <laughs> um, H, thank you for coming here. Thank, thank you, you for just being you, first of all, but like for coming here on the Latinos Out Loud podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for being you and for creating this space for us. I'm proud of you. Thank you are. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I love hearing that. Um, I do. I'm proud as well. And I'm very proud of you. Pero you have a full day of press ahead of you. We have a lot to talk about. We've been talking since you got here just about so many amazing and colorful topics. Mm. This is going to get really real, y'all. That's why I was like, I gave you the warning. Don't say I didn't warn you, LOLeros. I love you guys so much that I'll always lead you in the right direction and give you the heads up if you need to, like, buka una caja de Kleenex or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you might have to. So Aristotle and Dante. So I've heard some really fun little anecdotes and stories, and I've read some articles about you, and I'm fascinated. I wanted to start about, like, this project came about. You read the book. You wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Then, maybe I shouldn't, like, give away the story. We should hear it in your no, words. No, I would love for you to say <laughs> I've said it so many times. I'd rather you tell me the story. Well, this is what I heard, okay? Tell this me is, what you heard. This is what I heard. What happened was I heard that you wrote the screenplay, like, you know, just because you wanted to. Yes. Because you read this book that inspired you and whatnot. Fact. And you presented it to the author. And right away, author was like, yo, you want the rights? Blah! You got the rights to this screenplay. And now the rest, there's more that I could say, but I think we should pause there and yeah. talk about that series of events. When did you read this book? What did you feel after reading this book? I read the book in 2014, so it's been a long journey. And then I read, I wrote the author, his name is Ben, in 2016, and I went and I spent four days with him. And what inspired me so much is that I felt like it handled Latinidad in a way that we haven't seen before. And I think our community is desperate for another option to see ourselves in a different light, um, especially when it comes to these stories and it's like handling the other, or like a queer child. Like we always see the disapproving dad or the disapproving mom. Yeah. And this story sort of like gives us another option to that. It spins that on its head in a really gentle and beautiful way. And I think our stories are often told by other people. So they're so distilled to one aspect of who we are. Yeah. And, and that's not true for me and the way I live my life and the people that I love. So to all of that to say that the book I felt was like a perfect mirror to all of those things 
So I was like, I need to get this done some way. At the time, I had just done a bunch of short films. Yes. I was acting. Like, I really had no business sort of being, like, <laughs> ambitious. <laughs> that is such an interesting notion. Um, okay. That's okay, No, Juan. you're good. Thanks. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Mike, this is H. Alberto. H. Alberto, this is Mike. Success. Hi. Owner and operator of this joint, this Thank whole thing. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good to see you. This is, this is crazy. Sit back, relax, enjoy. This is, this is amazing right here. Can I hide it back here? Um, okay. The interesting notion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is an interesting notion. Eloeleros, do you ever get that juicy feeling when you read something or watch something that's like, I see me, I see me, and maybe it's an iteration of you, but you connect. So it sounds like you connected with this novel written for young adults. Yeah. About two young queer Mexicanos. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. What yeah. was the connection that you felt? And It's these two young boys who are on a journey of self-discovering, um, which is how I like to talk about it. Because I think it's like very limiting and niching to sort of put them in a box of sexuality. Yeah. Right? And I think it often happens in share. Like, there is, like, queer themes. But I'm, like, my whole goal <laughs> is to redefine the way we talk about the other, how we talk about ourselves like I'm, I could fit into so many boxes and it happens often like, oh, trans director. And it's like, no, I'm a director. Beyond like a trans director. Like that's like this, right. that my transness plays this much of my life. And if that's how we affect change, right? Is we have evolved language. And like, I need to be spoken about like a director yes. and not distilled to one aspect of who I am. Put some respect on my name, Facts. Sundance Film Lab. Yeah. Check the IMDB real yeah. quick, okay? Yeah. Working with the Because I am, rates. like I am, but we don't need to like, I don't know. It's just like, for me, it's, I'm so much more than that, you know? I want to quote you real quick because it has to do with this conversation. So you were quoted in a Teen Vogue interview and H said... I really wanted to make something that was nuanced, that wasn't rooted in what we often see when it comes to Latin stories and queer stories. Let's think about that for a sec, which was the notion that I wanted to harp on real quick. What do we often see? We see these bland vanilla stories that are like, when I see them, like this is fictitious shit, yo. This is not what my family looks like. Okay. This is not what my half Russian and Dominican family acts like, looks like. And we're pretty Latino. I mean, you know, we're Latino as fuck. You come to our crib and find out um, the penil is cooking. And yeah, we, <laughs> might be ha we might have a menorah lit for the holidays. You know, that's what I go through. So I would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit so what are the stories or tell us about some of the stories that you want to see and that maybe you're writing yeah I mean I'm it's it's yes I'm working on all of that and like those are the nuances of your family right so this is what I'm talking about like distilling to one aspect of it it's so easy to be like oh she's Dominican from New York and that's all we talk about but there's so much that informs who you are and like that's what I want to focus on those are the stories that I want to tell 
Like how do the, the things around us influence how we move in the world? Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought this story did in such a beautiful way. And so I wanted to celebrate that. So that, yeah, like everything I'm writing, I want to see like a love story uh, between a trans woman and a man in a way that it's not about the identity. It's about just Ooh, love. Yes. How does love transcend? And that's how when people see this, this is how you re-educate an audience because a lot of the phobia that we that exists is because of media and we work in a really powerful. Right, because we're programmed to like think that that's what we're supposed to look like and exactly. act like and that's how a Latino family acts. It's like, who the, f- who are you? I don't know what family or where this focus group uh, of Latino families is that acts like this. Well, it's and- a bunch of white people <laughs> yeah. that like we're green lighting stories and writing stories about us and that's why there's this like a lot of work that we have to do to sort of like redefine that. Speaking of work, we sort of left like mid-story here. I so know, you spent sorry. time with, oh no, sorry, no. <laughs> this is like, we can expand. The team is here, right? We are here for the storytelling right now. Okay, so you spent time with the author. Yeah. This person that you did not know, that no. you just cold outreached to. Yes. How was that received? And tell us about the time you spent together. What did you learn? What did you do? It was like fully immersing into the world of the book, into the world of the characters. I had never been to El Paso. I'm not Mexican-American. So there was like a lot of things that I wanted to understand. And there's a lot of differences between our cultures, right? But I wanted to focus on what you what unites us. Because yes. I think we divide ourselves so much. Yes. And that's love. So like that's what I was trying to like focus on. But I learned that through immersing myself in that culture for like four days. I kept revisiting too through the process because it was so long. I just really wanted to make sure that I was honoring the people of El Paso, the Mexican culture, um, and that I wasn't taking that for granted. So I was received with so much love and then like I wanted that to be reflected back to them. That's lovely. So I would also like to ask you about this nine year process. Wait, I hope I'm not like, you know, bringing up any trigger. Uh, wait, it's no triggers here. Um, but we can talk about them if you like. We can unpack them here. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've had nine years to unpack them, but they're there. Yes, of course, there's tons of triggers. It wasn't easy. We talk about this process a lot, the creative process. It's so unique. It's like the birth stories, right? Like we see on TV, like how children are born. It's like, all right, doctor, push, push. Oh, it's a baby. That's not how it happened for me. And I had two of them joints. You know what I'm saying? Like they were both (laughs) cut out of my gut. Uh, Yeah, C-sections. Listen, don't sleep on C-sections. They're not so bad. We'll do a whole episode about it. But, um, you know, like we see the birth stories of like what that's supposed to look like, right? And that's not really how it happened. so I want to tie back to this. Oh, God, even I'm getting on this train. Nine years. We talk about the creative process. Uh, some of the heroes that we've spoken about on the show or have had on the show, like John Leguizamo, his process, those one-man shows take like a decade. You know, people think that it's like overnight. Yeah, like, uh, no, the brilliance takes time and research and development and funding and people. And yeah. I'd like for you to... Um, Talk to us about that nine-year process. What were ta- walk us through the timeline, maybe, and what were the series of events that led to the movie coming out today? How exciting! Oh my god, the film's oh, coming out today, it's a and little you're surreal. here. Oh it's it's weird. <laughs> it's it's all yeah, because it's been so long. But um, it started with me loving the book, going to him, him saying like, "Yes, you could go ahead and have the rights." Yeah. And then I was like, "What do I do now?" Because yeah. I literally didn't know how the business worked from this perspective, right? So I had done a couple of short films. So I was reaching out to film festivals that I had shown 
films that I was like, do you know any producers that might be inter- interested? And then one of them, Outfast, introduced me to this woman named Valerie Stadler. Um, this was a year after I had met with the author for Context. And she really came in and started to help me, helping me develop the script and just like kind of guiding the process of like what we needed to do next. Um, through that process, I found out how popular the book was. It had been mm-hmm. translated into a bunch of different languages from all over the world. So all of those things make it, I thought, a valuable piece of IP. But it's a story about brown people. So then when we're trying to sell this as like an idea, Hollywood balked at it. They didn't see the value in it. It wasn't worth <sighs> it. We There's not been many like proven sort of like economically proven Latino projects, you Those know, case studies that they bank exactly. on in Hollywood, and it's a to business. Like, well, it basically. sounds like, and exactly. this made this at the box yes. office. Yes, so it made it really hard to find someone that would fund it. And then it was like, well, we need to get Lin Manuel Miranda involved because yes. he had done the audiobook to it. Former guest of the Latinos Out Loud podcast, yes, check out that hundredth episode. Shameless plug, and now we're back. Yeah, he's cool. I like him. Cool AF. Um. So, yeah, I was like, we need to get him involved in some capacity. We tried the traditional route. Nothing came of it. Wait, what's the traditional route? Like, Did you not managers his door, like, and show? agents. I and I was like, nothing about this process has been traditional. I'm going to tweet at him. I'm sure you know this from your research. But I sent him a tweet. And he replied 20 minutes later. And then three months later, he was in L.A. agreeing to be a producer on the film. Oh, my gosh. Did That's, y'all hear that? Yes. That's magic. sort of changing. It's magic. It's all like these magic. little kismet things that happen. Deservedly so, though. But it shows how we need to help each other. And that's what he was doing. So that sort of validated me. And then my career started to take off. I started writing for television. I did the Sundance Lab. So then I became more valuable. Then people started to pay attention. I met with Eva Longoria because um, she was finding a new writer to rewrite Flaming Hot. And I just like we fell in love with each other. So it's just like finding what it, like I like to call them the Latinx mafia to sort of like make it an undeniable property. That. And the that's Latinx. it was just like putting the pieces together. And then finally someone gave us a couple of million dollars to make it. The Latinx mafia. They're like the Latinx entertainment mafia, right? Yeah. And un buen sentido. It's not like, you know, mafia, like, hey, yeah, no, you know, no, no, find no. them at the bottom of the river. You know, not like that, but like in a good way. They are our superheroes. They're the ones that are like lifting up these projects and elevating them and watching them rise like, you know, a, like a, a Dominican cake in the oven. So I just want to talk about that process. I mean, we started talking about it. So Lynn, the tweet, Eva, you sat down. And then what's the writer's room like? What's the what's the structure like? How? So that's all me because it's like when you're in features, it's different than TV. Yeah. Your uh, first feature film, right? My first feature oh film my was gosh. like an actual budget. Oh, my God. Please, okay, so were you pitching? Were you in there trying to convince people? Yes. What's that like? But we had other directors through the process. There was other financiers, but I always knew it was my story to tell. Like, I always knew all those false starts. So time was, like, the most difficult thing and challenge, but it was also a blessing because it sort of, like, allowed me space to evolve not only as a human being, but, like, within the industry. It's incredible. And I would like to uh, just talk about the directing process. We're talking a lot about writing here. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell us about some of the talent in the I film. I that I can't talk about writing. Oh. Because <laughs> of the strike, but that's all good. Uh, oh, and uh, we have to get to there, too. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should get there now, actually. Whatever you want. Because uh, we'll get to the relationships, and I want to talk about the onset vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. I like delving into that. We get granular here because there has to have been all these moments of, like, 
funny moments or like script moments, script change moments. Like I want to hear about those instances, <laughs> but maybe we should talk about the strike first. Um, this is a really sensitive time, yeah. you know, still. The writer strike is still happening. So as I've asked other guests on this show, tell the Eloeleros and I about how the strike has affected you. What are some proactive things you're doing? Are you standing in solidarity? If so, how? Yeah, of course I'm standing in solidarity. There's yeah. an absolute necessity for it. Um, it is really difficult, though. Like, it's we're in a business that's really fickle, and, like, I rely on the opportunity to be in a writer's room or to write on a project. So... I'm trying to veer into the animation space because that's not under the WGA. So just finding other creative ways to kind of keep writing. But financially, it's hard. Yeah. And no one also talks about that. Like, they see, oh, like, the premieres and the fans. But, like, we're also, we need to work. That's how we make money. And, like, that's not happening right now. And this whole, like, press tour that I've been on has been really difficult because I've been the only one that's, like, able to talk about the movie and able to do press. So I'm tired. Wow. Yeah, we've had a slew of cancellations on Latinos Out Loud, amazing friends and actors and comedians. And this podcast has been standing in solidarity with the strike. We're trying to inform the Eloeleros of what's going on. And I love the POVs that are coming on the show to talk about how it's it's affecting everybody. It is. Uh, I think in the world. It, but it also in the so industry, like, too, because it's like it affects the executives because they're not they meet with writers and they're trying to find stories. They They're being let go. So it's like the restructuring of what's happening is kind of scary. Yeah, we also don't want to do anything wrong here. We want to make yeah. the right decisions and still support the projects that we've put blood, Thank sweat, you. and tears and nine years into. <laughs> blood, sweat, tears, and nine years. Somebody put that on a t-shirt, goddammit. Um, <laughs> so, okay, thank you for sharing about uh, the strike and how it's yeah. affected you. Now let's talk about some on-set experiences. Uh, tell me what it's like working with Eugenio Derbez, one of the icons in the Latin comedy space, you guys. Shout out to Trepa Studios, all of our friends over there that have been just like helping us in elevate the talent and the projects uh give us some uh, fun stories he's, in, he's incredible when they first they brought me the idea of Eugenio being Ari's dad in the film and I was like really <laughs> like Eugenio really it didn't make sense to me at first oh but then I went back and I started watching a lot of his work and I was like I get it like his eyes are so expressive there's so <laughs> much in his eyes and then I was like I'm up for the challenge of like grounding him and showing him in a way that we haven't often seen him and he just showed up so willing and trusting me and we like really communicated and we really talked and his physical transformation that you see in the film is all him Ooh. so it was just like really trusting each other and giving each other permission but he's I'm so proud of his performance in this film it's so understated people are like I didn't even recognize it was Eugenio for like Ooh, a while I love that. and I love that I love that you know, we're seeing him in a different light because he's such a beautiful human being. So this shows, like, a lot of what his depth is. And also, like, comedians are the best dramatic actors. <laughs> the best. <laughs> I mean, like, the comedian lens. And I just think there's brilliance in Eugenio Derbez and, like, all comedians uh, that have been putting in the work like that and that they could really take any situation. Eugenio Derbez can just come out on a stage and his eyes can make you laugh. Like, yes. the way he twitches his nose or, like, just the muscles in his face and how movable they are. And his eyes could now <laughs> also make you cry. Like, he tells the stories and it's 
in his eyes. So that's really what I wanted to focus on. That was beautiful. Eva was incredible. I wrote the character with her in mind. Oh. She's just like, when she walked on set, I was like, oh, I get why you're a star. You're just like this force. And she's just like a dope human. Um, and Lynn is exactly what you want him to be. I'm, you've experienced him, so you know. Um, on t- then I was working with these two young boys who had never really had... Let's like, talk about Aristotle and Dante. Yeah, Max Pelayo and Reese Gonzalez. This is like their first big thing, which sucks that they can't be promoting it and sort of like living this moment with me. Um, but they were these characters. And to me, my job was like, how do I nurture a relationship amongst the three of us, amongst them, where they felt safe, mm. where they trusted me, and they were able to kind of explore their vulnerability on camera. What about any intimacy coordinator? We had an intimacy coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, she often would say, like, you could be, in, to me, you could be an intimacy coordinator. Because I really was like, I went into this, like, mom and bear mode. And Aww. I wanted to keep those two boys as safe as possible and make sure that they were heard. And, yeah, that they were heard more than anything. That if they ever felt uncomfortable, they had someone that they could come and talk to. But we had worked so hard to sort of like build this trust with each other that the intimacy coordinator was like, I don't think you need me. You don't need me here. She was dope. Her name is Ann James and she was like on set and she was wonderful. That is a great job. Yeah, it's cool. It just must be so beautiful. Imagine like being the cultivator of love on set. I know. I love that. Yeah. Um, So, okay, this is amazing. I would like to know, H, what do you want moviegoers to take away from this film? Because... You know, you mentioned something that the actors are not getting to live this moment, but yeah. I think this film is something that it, it will live on for a very, very, very long time. So. The, this is an education and enlightenment uh, and entertaining. Yeah. Triple E effect. Yeah, it's really sweet. And it's like, it feels like a warm hug. What it's, do you want the moviegoers I, to uh, feel when they leave, to think and maybe to act upon? Well, another thing that I like wanted to make sure that we were doing was sort of like celebrate and find the joy in these characters, right? The like familial love, like how do we show joy in our community, you know? Uh, So that's what I really want people to sort of like recognize. Mm. But more than anything, I want it to be like the beginning of a conversation of how we talk about each other, how we talk or don't talk to each other, Mm. and the need of using our voice to tell people we love them and we see them. Sometimes we take that for granted and we think that they know. Um, but as you see in the movie, I think the Aristotle character really ne- needed to hear that. That his family was such a product of their own generational trauma that they didn't know how to do that. Mm. So I hope that this sort of people recognize themselves in it, not only like Latinos, but it's universal, right? So I hope that this just opens up a conversation um, when it comes to that specifically. Oof. Let that penetrate for a moment. <laughs> From the writer and director, so when everyone goes to see the film, they yeah. can think back to what you just said. Okay, speaking of thinking back, I would like to dial back H. Alberto. Hmm. Where did you go to school? What did you go to school for? Were you going to be something else? Like, how did you get here, Deborah Cox? How did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to school. I'm self-taught. Yes. I've learned how to write scripts by watching movies and reading scripts at the same time. Yeah. And I was always really obsessed. My dad was a cocaine cowboy from Miami. Um, and we were on the run. He became a fugitive, and then we lived on the run for eight years. 
Yeah. This we, is real life, by the way. This is real not life. This is not here. a movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so through that process, like I always found an escape in movies. And that's where my obsession started of like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what this means, but like this is speaking to me. Like I didn't play with toys or um, so, yeah. Then I went on an acting path and I thought that was it because if you don't see yourself, you don't think you could be it. Mm -hmm. Um and then I did that for a really long time. I did commercials in both Spanish and English. Give us a fun commercial that maybe we could YouTube and find you in. No. <laughs> I did she like said no. Every, <laughs> every fast food restaurant you could think of, every car yes. you could think of. Yes. I was living in Miami at the, where I'm from. Um, and then I was still doing that till I found Ari and Dante. So in 2014, I had done like my last play in LA. And that's when I started shifting really like just behind the camera um, mm. through the discovery of this book. I had done some short films, but yeah. Do you, it sounds like you operate um, where there's a void you surface. Yeah. Talk about this void in the market in, huh. yeah, of That's an writing. interesting way to see it. Well, a parallel that I draw is six years ago in change, you know, there was no real Latino comedy podcast that elevates other Latinos making strides. So I operate under where there's a void, there's me. I'm like, oh, there's a void in the space. It's going to be really hard. We're going to have to, you know, buckle up and get our hands dirty. But <laughs> I, I find a great challenge, a very healthy challenge in life when I'm in that situation. Because I feel like I'm going to move the needle as much as I want to because I can. I'm creating this. Do you, it sounds like you operate in a similar space where it's like oh there's an opportunity we're not seeing enough trans queer content in in entertainment we're not uh, addressing these topics in the latino space that are considered taboo yeah and then it's like go and it's like pew, and they're off and there goes Alberto and she's running ahead of everybody it's like a race but it's like a healthy race is that how you i think it's a subconscious like sort of response to the void right mm -hmm. um but yeah like, it's just like, I'm not going to wait for permission yes. to sort of do what I think is necessary. Yes. So if it's completely instinctual and emotional, and that's worked for me to know. Um, but I'm not like consciously thinking like, oh, there's this missing piece. Mm. I just like this, this res I respond to this. This is who I am. So I'm going to sort of try to be a vehicle to tell this story, right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the barriers that you have faced in this journey? Because what we like to do here too, LOLeros know this, <laughs> is we talk about the triumphs. Yes, feels so good. But we also have to talk about the tribulations, those bumps in the road that we have faced and maybe how you've combated them so that we could learn. When we face those bumps, it's like, mm. well, H. Alberto said this on Latinos Out Loud, okay? So this is how I'm going to maneuver. Uh, so let us know about any barriers and how you defeated I them. also have a thought about the void thing I think there's also like a oh. void uh generationally because a lot of our parents came here to like work really hard they got like jobs they didn't think that we could make money in like a creative space mm. at least from my experience mm -hmm. so there's not a lot of us that are before us that existed there is but like not the way it is now right. and I think that's because we've sort of like allowed ourselves given ourselves to permission to figure out that we do belong there and we can make money off like something creative yeah. but that that 
is part of the challenges. It's like there's not a lot of us, so people are unfamiliar with how to navigate that. This story alone, like, it's uh, I didn't want to make a movie about like gangbangers and maids, and but even through the process, like people who were working on this movie were like, we should make the dad disapproving. Like, no, we've seen that story so many times. Like, you could go make that movie with a different filmmaker, but I'm not going to perpetuate that story anymore. Like, we've just, like, it's exhausting to see that. So there's still a lot of that because there's a shift that's happening. Um, We need to ride that shift. But that's because we're driver's seats. finally Let's creating go. our own space. And yeah. that's what it is. So it's all like working, but it's like it's at the beginning of something. We're not fully there yet. No. So, but yeah, it's exciting that we're like at the forefront of it. Any instances, any specific like meetings you've been in or maybe see it? Oh, she's, <laughs> there's a rolling of the eyes, everyone. I just want to say I saw the pupils go from one side to the other. And uh, maybe <laughs> can you share with us something like, and where you learned and you got lifted and you rose above it maybe and you know (laughs) yeah this movie like production was magical really was because it was like we had created our own universe and it was like fully like this beautiful love filled creative space and then we went into post-production where the people that give you money have a voice in the room and that was traumatizing and really painful Oy, as yeah. the Jews say. Oy. Yeah. Oy. So how did you how did you deal with that on a day? I'm still recovering. It took oh, a minute. Oh. I didn't think I would wanted to do this anymore. Like that? It like that. Because it like took away the the magic, the voice of an artist, but oh, it happens no. across the board. I'm not it's not unique to me. Um when you start talking to each other about this specific thing, you you realize that everybody has a version of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It's been really, I'm trying to like avoid the specifics to not like fully. And know. meanwhile, I'm digging. I'm like, come on, <laughs> go come on, H, come on, come on. I just like, I also want to be, cause if, I want to go nuclear so bad and okay. like, I want to tell the whole story, it. but I think I'm at the beginning of my career. And if people like, if it comes out and you never know who's listening, You're I can, right. it could ruin my career, so which me- is bullshit. <laughs> Let me try to wordsmith this question then to get something that, I, I, that I'm striving to get from you. is like, how do we in the industry, I guess some, what I'm trying to get it's to It's playing is, the game. You have to, it. there's a version of like, you have to play the game a little bit, but I, I, I mean, I'm from Miami. Like I was yeah. raised by a fucking drug dealer. Toma. Like I wasn't going to play the game that they wanted me to play. Mm. So I compromised a lot but I didn't compromise on the things that were really important to me. Like I wasn't going to do reshoots to tell a whole new story about a dad that doesn't approve of his kid. But okay, I'll cut that scene or I'll make the movie shorter, but like at least the heart of what I wanted to do is still there. So it was, how do I compromise without not fully surrendering to the game? Mm. Not easy. Not fucking easy Not easy. When you go to sleep at night and you're like, okay, I, there was the art of saying no. Like I had to say no 15 times That's today it. to people <laughs> I respect in the industry that are funding my project. What's the art of saying no to you? A necessity yeah. of like really knowing what your boundaries are and what you're willing to give up and not. And I go to sleep at night and I still think about things that I could have fought a little harder. Oh. But they 
they, but I, I'm learning to let that go. I'm learning to be kinder to myself because um, I did everything that I could do. Yes. And like, there's also the realization of that. But but fuck, it's beautiful. But I see that dot dot dot. But fuck. <laughs> okay, my last question here uh, before you tell everybody your socials and catch uh, the film here and everything. Um, if you could talk to, you know what? No, scratch that. You're talking to a younger age right now because they're listening. They're in this pool of eloeleros, so you're talking to them right now. What are some words of advice that you have for a younger age, really starting out? Oh, shit. Uh, Take your time. Yeah. Um, we have the option of choosing fear or love. I, choosed, I, cho choosed, I chose fear, fear for a really long time, mm. and in fear is shame. In fear is a lack of self-love. But if we try to choose love a little more adamantly, we start discovering things about ourselves that may be ugly, but then we start loving the ugly. Like the thing that we hate about ourselves often becomes our superpower. I love that. Because once I like accepted me fully and was fearless and chose love and walked through that, this entire world opened up to me mm. in a way I never thought it would because I never thought I would be fearless enough to walk through it. H. Alberto, thank you so much for those really amazing words based on, I could see in your eyes, experience, yeah. pain, pain. But perseverance. a lot of love, a lot of love. I was going to feel love. like there's love yeah. on top of this Sunday. Yeah. I could see, move over, Cherry. <laughs> I look like a cherry today. You do. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. You look like a like a delicious yeah. maraschino cherry. <laughs> yeah. So tell everyone where they can follow you, and please uh, plug the film like a Glade plug-in right yes, now. Yes, the film is out in theaters today. When is this air? This is gonna air next week, right? Yeah. So <laughs> a week after, yeah. Next week, it'll still be in theaters <laughs> in across the country. I think it's like a thousand theaters, yes. so it'll likely be somewhere near. Um, and I think it's like I made a movie to watch in theaters, so I hope people go to the theaters to watch it. Oh, I love the yeah. theatrical experience. Don't you, LOLs? I miss it. I really uh, take advantage of it whenever I get Me the too. opportunity because there is really nothing like it. I mean, this is just common knowledge. You can Netflix and chill all you want, right? But there's nothing like the smell of the buttered popcorn. You sound like that, Nicole Kidman. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's nothing like being next to other people it's true. and laughing in unison yeah. or gasping in unison. There's something about that chilling behavior. Uh, I just have this really nerdy part of me that loves society and our behavior. Um, I am a people person in every sense of the term. So going to the movies for me is one of those activities. It's like we're all experiencing this together at the same time, at the same decibel level, and we're focused on it. I love that. So thank you for giving us that gift. Thank you for Check out Aristotle and Dante Discover Secrets of the Universe in theaters as of today. Congratulations, thank H. Alberto. You. I love you. Is it too soon? Never. Okay, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. This was fun. Eloeleros, thank you so much. 
much. This has been another episode. Be sure to follow us at We Are Latinos Out Loud. Give us a call. No big whoop. The phone number is 978-LATINOS. It's very easy. Happy Latinx A-E-X-Y-Z Heritage Month. However you would like to call yourself. To everybody out there who's a part of this culture, an ally of the culture, let's celebrate. I party! Okay? Thank you so much for listening and watching another episode. Shout out to the This Network and everybody here, Cabo and Juan and to H. Alberto shout out to Inma who mm. continuously looks out for this podcast and is a dear friend thank you so much everybody on that note we out